0: So we are moving into one of the most, or I should say the most expansive descriptions and explorations of the uh, work of Jesus Christ ever found in the Bible. It is Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. Last time we just gave a brief overview of it, or a summary of it by one verse, 5 verse 18. But now Paul's, Now we'll go into uh, detail on what Paul is launching here. Um, It's really a remarkable thing. Paul is describing here, in chapter 5, of course, freedom from the judgment of God for the human race. For God himself in his Son, Jesus Christ, has taken that judgment so that we are justified, declared innocent— by faith in which we stand we have peace with god the peace of jesus christ that is the peace pact between jesus who represents humanity and the father has been established we have access to this wonderful grace in which we stand. We have entrance into God's throne room, into God's home. We need no longer wonder whether whether God is personal, what he's all about. Is, it, is there an intelligent force behind the universe and all that nonsense? We have the heart of the Father. We have access to him. We even have... Uh, an assurance that we can rejoice in our tribulations because all of this is now taking place in the victory of Christ. Christ has gained the victory for us. And when did all this happen? Well, while we were sinners, uh, Paul uh, 5, verse 6, while we were without strength, while we were ungodly, verse 8 and 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. The reconciliation of the human race has taken place through Christ, and God's work through the gospel and through the final judgment is to bring all mankind to that reality. You say, all mankind, Colin? Well, that's what Paul is now getting at in verse 12 to verse 21. So let's look at it. Therefore... Now, he starts with a therefore, because he's he's, uh, building on everything he has said in the previous uh, few verses of chapter 5 that I've just summarized. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Well, we know who that is, don't we? That was Adam. Through one man sin entered the world. And death through sin. So the consequences and the judgment, more than consequences, but judgment of sin came death. Because, why is that? Because, you see, once sin has entered the human heart and the human mind, it is a death state. There is no survival of the human race with sin in its uh, being and its makeup. Um, This is a judgment that cannot uh, be gainsaid or sidestepped because God's plan is for humanity to live for eternity, and it cannot live for eternity with sin, which is death, uh, within it. So, therefore, as through one man... Sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death through, uh, spread through, to all men, because all sinned. And then he says something a little peculiar, for and it's a sort of interruption to his thought. For until the law, sin was not in the world. That is, until the law was given by Moses, sin was not in the world. That is, in a, in a very superconscious sense. Of course, it existed in the world. Men were killing one another and murdering and, and doing evil things, but it was not in the conscious sense. It was not in the world until the law was given. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. So God did not charge the world with this sin, even though Adam sinned, and the whole human race came under judgment. So what's he trying to say? Well, verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Sin is not imputed where there's no law, and yet we suffered the judgment of Adam by our death. And so what is going on then Nevertheless, it says death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. What this is saying and what Paul is building a case for is this, that just as you and I suffer the judgment of Adam's sin, even though we did not have any part in it. Remember, those who had not, um, let's read it again, nevertheless, a death, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. See, we suffered a death, but not a death as a transgression of the law, because the law had not come in yet. So who's, Death was this that we were suffering judgment from, for it was Adam's. Now, why is he making this point? Because another Adam is going to come in, and we are going to all experience justification from him, the declaration of innocent, Innocence, the judgment of innocence, even over those who had not done righteousness according to the likeness of this second Adam. Do you see where Paul is going with this? So you need to read very carefully, again, take your Bibles out, Romans chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Because Paul is saying, Adam sinned a sin in which we had no part, yet we suffered from it. Then he's going to build the case that the second Adam lived a righteous life, and we had no part in that righteousness, and yet we are going to receive and reap the benefits of it. That's where Paul is going. So, verse 15, But the free gift is not like the offence. What free gift is he talking about? The free gift of eternal life, the free gift of the justified life, declared innocent before God. The free gift is not like the offence. Well, why is it not? What is it then? For if by one man's offence many died, and let me say before we even get off on this many and all business, many is clearly being used here as the masses In other words, everyone. How do we know that? Because all died. If by the one man's offense many died, well, how many did die? Everybody died. Death is a universal thing. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, who's that one man? Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And so you can read this many as all, and you can read it like this. For if by the one man's offense all died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to all. You see how Paul is now making a comparison. But notice it's not a comparison of the same, it's a comparison of the opposite. In what sense, then, is this a comparison? Well, he's not comparing sin with righteousness. Of course, they are total opposites. He's comparing the universality of sin and the universality with the universality of righteousness. In other words, sin was so universal, it was totally universal. Everybody was affected by it. And that is the comparison, because everybody will be affected by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Just as everybody came under the condemnation of Adam, so everybody will come under the justification of Christ. You say, well, Colin, you're saying that. No, I'm not. Verse 18, look, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment... Came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. We haven't looked at all the verses yet, but we ought to be having our mind blown right now, because what this is saying is that the death of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial death of Christ, is so universal, all-comprehensive, that it covers all the world. Yes, you say, Colin, but everybody has to accept it. Yes, that's true. But when you study how faith comes to human beings, you learn that it comes not by man's will, but by the power of God. God is the one who creates faith. When, our chi- when the chips are down and when all is low and we were depressed and overwhelmed with troubles and life itself, where do you think that hope springs eternal in the human breast? That is not from man. That is God's Spirit reviving the soul. Uh, as uh, David says uh, in, the Psalm, in Psalm 23, you restore, thou restorest my soul. And so the free gift is not like the offense in the sense that the free gift is life and the offense is death. But it is like the offense in that as sin is universal, creating death universally, so the righteousness of Christ is universal in that it creates life universally. So then we see verse 16, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. So you see, here Paul is contrasting it again the uh, effect of Adam and the effect of Christ. One sin brought the devastation upon the whole world. One sin brought death universally. But then, look at the contrast. The billions and trillions of sins that have happened since then until now has not brought the billions and trillions of deaths eternally, but will bring the salvation of all. Because it says, for the judgment which Came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many billions of offenses results in justification. Justification for who? The few? No, according to verse 18, the many. Now, you will be asking lots and loads of questions and all kinds of questions about, yes, but what about this verse and that verse and the other verse in the Bible? And I grant you there are, there are many, many things to say about this that this program cannot cover for you. But you can start your own investigation. And you might as well start in Isaiah chapter 45, where Paul says in verses, to, uh, where uh, Isaiah declares that God says, By my, I swear. God swears an oath he makes an oath as I live says the Lord and I have vowed it has gone forth from my mouth and it shall never return that before me every knee shall bow and every tongue confess yes but you say those there'll be certain people who confess that will be lost because they, they're just confessing because they're, because they're about to die no, no, no the, ter- the verse says, every tongue shall confess that the Lord alone is their righteousness and strength. That is not what unbelievers will call uh, declare. They make an oath because they have finally become believers. That is the message that is such good news for all of us. Well, a quick hello. Colin Cook here and how it happens. Thanks for listening today. Um, What we need to understand from all this for ourselves is this. No matter what hardship you're going through, no matter what anger you are going through towards God, what disappointments you are facing in life, God will bring you through. He will do so because he has the power to generate faith in you, and how does he do that? Well, he has the power to bring us all to our limits, to the end of our resources, to the end of ourselves, so that we finally call out to God. Have hope in that. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.